The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 16th chapter. Then Jesus said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was squandering his property. So he summoned him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Give me an accounting of your management, because you cannot be my manager any longer. Then the manager said to himself, What will I do now? that my master is taking the position away from me. I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do, so that when I am dismissed as manager, people may welcome me into their homes. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he asked the first, how much do you owe my master? He answered, a hundred jugs of olive oil. He said to him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it fifty. Then he asked another, And how much do you owe? He replied, A hundred containers of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and make it eighty. And his master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the children of this age are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth, so that when it is gone, they may welcome you into the eternal homes. Whoever is faithful in very little is faithful also in much. And whoever is dishonest in a very little is dishonest also in much. If then you have not been faithful with the dishonest wealth, who will entrust you to the true entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to another, who will give you what is your own? No slave can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. The Pharisees, who were lovers of money, heard all of this, and they ridiculed him. So he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves in the sight of others. But God knows your hearts, for what is prized by human beings is an abomination in the sight of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Hearing the gospel for today, do you think Jesus just wanted to make sure people were listening? I've heard of university professors who add instructions at the end of the syllabus to test whether students read it in its entirety. And in seminary, we joked about inserting random text like lines from a favorite hymn 
into our papers to help with the word count, but also to see if they were really being read. Maybe that is why Jesus tells this parable that appears to commend dishonesty. Maybe Jesus just wanted to make sure he had our attention. But maybe not. Remember what we know about parables. Sometimes parables were a way to put two things, such as the kingdom of God and a mustard seed or yeast, alongside each other to help us understand them. Other times, the parables teach us about the kingdom of God through stories like the Good Samaritan, where it's easy for us to imagine who we are supposed to be in the story. Last week, we were reminded that the parables often are there to challenge us or shake us up. And they surprise us, awakening us to the way that God is breaking into our lives and turning the wisdom of the world upside down or inside out. At the time that Luke is writing around 80 CE, the Romans occupied Palestine, and as the empire demanded higher taxes, sometimes the rich who lived in the south rescued the small farmers in the north, buying them out. The small farmers who sold their land stayed on as tenant farmers, where once they might have harvested crops that provided food for themselves and their households, now they were planting production crops to be sold to the Romans, and a manager would keep track of what was owed to the landowner. The parable begins with someone making charges against the manager. We don't know what he's done, but the rich man calls him out and accuses him of being dishonest. And he doesn't offer any denial. Instead, what we hear is his internal dialogue or calculations as he considers his options. And then Jesus tells us that the dishonest man acts quickly speaking to the tenants and lowering the figures for what they owe. We can speculate what he's doing. As a manager, he would have earned a commission, so perhaps he reduced their debts by the portion he would have taken. Or maybe he reduced their debts to ingratiate himself into their lives. Or perhaps he was just being spiteful and reduced their debts to hurt the landowner. We cannot really know his motive, and we don't need to. The result is that the tenant farmers have a little bit more for themselves and their households. The manager, who has power because of his position, chooses to use his power while it lasts, to help others. Jesus still recognizes the man for what he is, calling him the dishonest manager, even when the rich man commends him. What is being commended isn't the manager's dishonest practices, but the steps the man took to 
to address the wrongs he had committed. This isn't a parable that obviously works as an allegory for our lives of faith, featuring a dishonest manager and an opportunistic rich man we aren't eager to identify ourselves or God with any of the characters. But aren't we all dishonest managers? Five times between verses 8 and 11, we hear the word dishonest. The Greek words are adikeos and adikos, which can also be translated as unrighteous or unjust. Eugene Peterson, who wrote the message paraphrase of the Bible, calls this character a rascal. And that sounds about right, I think. <laughs> By our nature, apart from Christ, we are dishonest or unrighteous, rascals and scoundrels, captive to sin and to death, self-centered and self-indulgent. In this parable, Jesus contrasts what is dishonest or unrighteous with what is faithful and believing. But faithfulness and believing are never the result of anything we do. No measure of hard work or earnestness or ability will achieve them. As Martin Luther wrote in the explanation of the third article of the Creed, I believe that I cannot, by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. But the Holy Spirit calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies, or makes righteous the whole Christian church on earth, and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. He daily and richly forgives all my sins and the sins of all believers. It is only through Christ and the gift of unearned grace, what some might even call dishonest wealth, that each of us is holy, beloved, and forgiven. Giving us what is his, Christ makes us children of God and heirs to the kingdom. As Paul writes in his letter to the Romans, now we are dead to sin and alive to Christ. And as ones who have been brought from death to life, we are instruments of righteousness. As instruments of righteousness, we are given the power to intercede on behalf of the suffering, the sick, and the poor. Indeed, in our baptismal covenant, we promise to strive for justice and peace in all the earth and accept this responsibility to intercede on behalf of others. And we do have power we have the power of the Holy Spirit acting in our lives and in those around us. And we have the power of our voices to engage in difficult conversations. We have the power to use our vote on election day. We have the power to use our time 
to volunteer or write letters to the editor and congressional representatives. We are given this power. And this parable challenges us to look for the places where we could give up some of our power and wealth so that others might suffer less, despair less, and hunger less. There are ways we're doing this already in our everyday lives, giving out of the abundance we already have. Many of you have donated hotel-sized toiletries that we give to people who don't have anything. I know someone else who never pays exact change. Instead, she rounds up and donates the difference to charity. Scrolling through Facebook, I saw a post where a mother told this story. Her son had asked every day for a week for two of everything he usually took to lunch. She chalked it up to growing pains, figuring he was hungry. And then he came home with a note from another mother in his class thanking her for providing lunch every day while she had been in the hospital. While these actions may feel small or incidental, they are ways we take steps to lessen the suffering, despair, and hunger of others. And after Jesus finished the parable, he told his disciples, whoever is faithful in a very little is faithful also in much. The good news we hear today is that God gives us power to transform the world around us, sharing our inheritance as God's own children and making God's kingdom present and visible here on earth. If only we will act. Let us pray. God of righteousness, thank you for your grace and mercy that makes us your children and heirs to your kingdom. And thank you for your son, Jesus, who shows us what kingdom life looks like here on earth. Show us ways that we can be instruments of righteousness in our community and world. Empower us by your Holy Spirit to strive for justice and peace in all the earth. We pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen.